The scripture reading this morning is 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. If you have the Pew Bible, it's on page 1203. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so very much for uh, leading us in worship today. Um, It's just a joy to to hear those sounds, and um, if you... If you were really touched, especially by just that, that music, um, they led worship for us out on the square at Vaklovska Namaste yesterday, even in the rain, and did an amazing, amazing job. Um, but also, they're going to be doing a benefit concert for Dignity, uh, the refugee ministry, and you can find out more information about that during our ministry fair out on the, on the tables, um, but it's, it's going to be a really, really powerful celebration but also a time to really support something that is um, an amazing ministry. And so I want to encourage you to, to make plans. That'll be Tuesday evening at our Bridge Center, and um, love to have you be a part of that. You know, worship, no matter what its form or its style, when we allow ourselves to be immersed in who God is, not in the music, not in the style, we discover that we fill with joy as we express the greatness of who he is. And it doesn't matter whether it's bluegrass or if we're doing a nice hip-hop version of Real Love with, the youth, with Youth Praha, one of my favorites. I mean, from camp, you, I wish you could have been at camp and, heard, and just to hear Real Love or to dance to Glorious Day, you know, because they rock that out. Or reflecting on the deep verses in, in a hymn that's just filled with truth about who God is, or as I get to do sometimes to to sneak into one of our language services and hear them worshiping in their heart language, words that I don't understand, but expressions that I can see that rightly reflect the greatness of our God, or even just those moments of contemplative silence, that's expression, expressing the great worth of our God, and it's what we're created to do. Well, today, I'm going to do part two of our, our True Connections message, because this is leading into our ministry fair. And so if you were here last week, you already got the prop. You don't have to take another one. But if you didn't, I want to encourage you to take a puzzle piece and pick out a good one that represents your life. So make sure you like the, the flavor, the color, the shape, whatever you, want to, whatever you want to call it. And if you'll pass those there. And Preston, would you mind taking those to the balcony for me? I'm just trying to keep you awake, Preston. 
I want you to pick out one of those puzzle pieces because that represents who you are, who God made you to be. And, um, and so I want to make sure that you pick out a good one because it, it represents three things about you, about who God made you to be. And they're all E's because you know your pastor um, likes to alliterate everything. It's the only way I can remember anything. So um, you're stuck with me, and hopefully some of it will make sense. So here it is. You and I were made to do three things. Number one, enjoy God. Number two, elevate or lift up Jesus. And number three, encourage one another. And the puzzle piece displays that beautifully. The first one is, you know, hopefully you picked out a piece that's got some nice color on the front, and um, it represents the beauty of who God is, the masterpiece of who God is. And here's the great thing. You and I are part of his masterpiece. He created you specifically to reflect the greatness of who he is. And and so we're made to enjoy him. Too often people... um, have an impression, they come from a religious background or their only exposure to Christianity was in um, maybe a rule-oriented focus, and they miss out on the fact that we are actually made not to be afraid of who God is. We are to fear him. We're to give him reverence, but we're created to enjoy him because he enjoys you. It is a beautiful relationship that he gives to us in Jesus Christ. And we can allow that truth to sink into our heart that you're made to enjoy the greatness of God, it will set you free in beautiful ways. And so that's that top part of the, of the puzzle piece. It's a reminder that God is beautiful, that we're part of his masterpiece, and we're made to enjoy him. And then there's, as I got in trouble last week, I'll say the downward side or the backside. I'll, I'll get in trouble anyway. When you look at the backside, it represents each and every one of us. That's your backside. That's my backside. So I'm help trying to make it stick in there. It's all the same, right? Anybody? Is yours more beautiful than mine, Zamina? That's, that's true. It's all the same because it's simply not about us. It's about elevating who Jesus is. When we find freedom, when we discover that we die to ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Jesus. And then the edges represent what we're going to talk about a little bit more today is encouraging one another that we are made to be connected together. We cannot go through this life on our own. We're made not only for a relationship with God, but a relationship with each other that is connected. That's why I so love the illustration of of the puzzle piece, because each piece is necessary. Each piece is absolutely unique, and each piece is needed to fit together to display the full picture of who God is. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every church all come together to reflect the greatness of who he is. Well, there are two aspects of being connected. Number one is that we're made for relationship. One of the things you'll see in the ministry fair is all the different small groups that are designed to help you connect with other people so that you can grow in enjoyment of who God is. And also out there will be numerous areas where you can use the gifts, the abilities, the heart, the passion that God has given you to serve him. Because we're made for a purpose. Your life matters. And there are beautiful opportunities here in this city 
that God has already started, he's already birthed, where we can join together and serve and point other people to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. What is more, I believe that in this room this morning, there are those that God is gonna raise up to begin brand new areas of ministry and of outreach because he's gonna stir in your heart something of a passion You're going to see a need, you're going to see an opportunity, and you're going to be overwhelmed by, first of all, going, there's no way I could do that, and secondly, but I must do something. God is going to stir that in the hearts of some of our people today, and I want you to be open to it, because here's the thing, as he begins to do that, we want to come alongside of you and help to birth that and guide you and assist you and provide you because we want to all be engaged in serving the Lord with all that we are. So today, very quickly, we'll see how quickly I can go, but I'm going to do my best. Um, I want to talk to you about serving. The, the, the word that we see in the scripture would be ministry. Um, sometimes, though, we think of ministry in this term that is either uh, attached to government or some kind of professional in, uh, in the church world. Every believer is designed to be a minister. You are a minister. In fact, you need to say that out loud. You need to say, I am a minister. So let's say it together. I am a minister. It's who God designed you to be, and he has called you to do his work, to exercise what he has given you um, in ways that are unique that he's not given to anyone else. You have opportunities to share your faith. You have relationships in the workplace, in the family, in the community. You have connections and gifts and abilities and passions that he's not packaged together in the same way in anyone else. Every one of us is absolutely needed. But oftentimes, we get distracted. We we forget the importance of what we've been called to. And so the passage that Emily read for us this morning is so important because it begins with this reminder, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Peter here is reminding us, don't get so distracted by the events of the world that you forget that God is accomplishing his purpose. Don't get so distracted by the news or so distracted by the pursuit of your career or of a relationship or of a hobby or anything else that you lose sight on what is most important, that you were made to reflect the greatness and goodness of God. You are made to know him and to show him to other people. You were made to serve, to be a minister. Now, there's some myths that come along with ministry, and I want to do my best to to help us better understand those. And I, I use the word myth on purpose because oftentimes myth means a partial truth. It's not just a totally made-up story. It has some truth to it, but it often is distorted in our view when we try to live it out. And so I want to look very quickly at some of the myths of ministry. And the first one is this, that ministry requires our ability. That's a myth. 
At least it's a partial myth. God does not need your ability. He gave us all of our abilities to begin with. The passage that we just read says that we are to serve with the ability that God supplies, not the ability that you have. Now, here's the thing. If you only do the things that you are able to do, the natural gifts that you have, you will most likely not be doing something truly in ministry for the Lord. When you seek the Lord and say, Lord, how do you want to use my life? How do you want to challenge me to serve you? You're going to be scared to death by what he tells you to do. He is going to frighten you because you're going to think, there is no way I can do that. When I think about some of the amazing ministries that have, that have, that have grown up in this community, I'm amazed. I think of, um, of dignity, for one. And I, I remember several years ago, um, just phone calls I would get from, from Petra and, and later conversations with Tom, and, and their, their, their heart was so big for the refugees, um, and they were in there, and, and the conditions were terrible. Um, it was a prison at Drahanitsa and at Bella, um, two of the refugee centers, and, and, and it was just overwhelming. And I, I remember thinking, God's going to do incredible things because she is scared to death. I don't know if you're even in here, Petra, but it was, it was an affirmation that God was going to do great things. I see the same things in, in Carmina and Ben in the way they're reaching out to the homeless. And, and it's bigger than what they feel capable of doing. That's because that's where God steps in. We see this so beautifully illustrated by Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000 because there's this one statement that we often times overlook in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17, um, it, it says this. Now the day began to wear away and the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions for we here are in a desolate place. But he, Jesus, said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. And we find out that there's, there's over 5,000 men that are there. They're absolutely overwhelmed. And what does Jesus tell them to do? You give them something to eat. He asked them something that was far beyond their ability. Because you see, God does not want your ability. He wants one thing from you and I, and it is this obedience. That's what he wants us to do. And when we obey him, even if it seems impossible, like it had to seem to the disciples, that's when he will provide his resources, his ability, and he will honor our obedience and our faith. So I want to encourage you to seek because God has made you for a ministry, and it's something bigger than you ever imagined. Allow your heart to be challenged because God has great things for you. Secondly, the second myth is that, well, God doesn't require your ability. God requires your availability. Maybe you've heard that in, in, a, in a sermon. I've probably preached that before. I think it's wrong now. I've come to this conclusion, and here's why. There's a myth to it because when we mention availability, it usually comes with a set of conditions. If we're dead honest, so many, so many times we are available only after we've secured our own comfort. 
when we've taken care of the things that we think we need, then maybe I'll have something to give to God and to his purpose and service. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 9 as well. In verses 57 through 60, he said, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus invites him to serve and to trust him before providing for our our needs because he wants us to rely on him. And that's what he was telling this man that came up to him. You need to trust without seeing. You need to trust and follow me even if you don't know where all your needs will be provided for. Even if you don't see all the comforts that you think you need to have, he will give you something better because God will give us himself. And he promises that with him, he will supply everything that we need. And some of the comforts that we pursue honestly are hindrances to the joy that God wants, to, wants us to experience. Sometimes we're available when we secured our comfort. Secondly, often we, we will be available when the timing sinks, suits our needs rather than God's. How many times have you thought about that when you, you think, when this happens, I will do blank for the Lord. And you've tried to establish the timetable based upon your schedule, your interests, your needs. This is what Jesus addressed in the next verses in Luke chapter 9. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, that sounds harsh unless you understand the culture. What he was saying, it wasn't as if his father had just died. Within the context uh, of, of the first century there in Israel, what he was saying is, let me wait until my father passes away and I get the inheritance and then I'll have time to follow you. That's what he was asking for. And Jesus knew it. You see, The timing really should fit his requirements and not our own. The next one is we will be available when we have met the desires of those that we already love. This one's hard. I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a grandfather. We found out that grandchild number seven is gonna be a boy, so the scales are starting to balance. We have already have four granddaughters and soon to be three grandsons. And it's, it's amazing. But God calls me to love him and his service even above those who are dearest to our hearts. We will be available after we've met the desires of those we already love. Look what he says in verses 61 and 62 of Luke chapter 9. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The truth is, it will never be convenient to serve God, but it will be the most rewarding experience in your life when you put him first. A third myth is that ministry is for professionals. 
Ministry is not about position. It is all about people. It's not what office that you hold. It's about serving the needs of others. And every believer is called to ministry, every single one of us. That's why I want to encourage you to to look diligently to find where God is calling you to serve. Well, the second part is to understand that when we look at ministry, really the model we want to examine is Jesus himself. Because Jesus said very plainly that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came as a servant. All through the scriptures, that is how he is described. In Philippians, we read about his attitude, his heart, his love for others, how he humbled himself. The God of the universe who created absolutely everything humbled himself to serve. That's the model that we are to follow. Not someone else, not their example of how to do things, but we're to follow the example and model of Jesus himself. And that brings us to my final point, which is simply this, that the manifestation of ministry always involves a cross. Ministry is about dying to self, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. And you can see it demonstrated in Jesus' life, but even in the wounds that he bore on the cross. And so I put there in your sermon notes, if you, if you have them or we'll have it on the screen, that ministry always involves a cross, and it's a, it's a little acrostic um, that is seen in the wounds of Christ. On the crown of his head, where those thorns were, were placed upon his head and beaten down, we see the attitude of Jesus. And we, as ministers, as servants, are called to have a Christ-like attitude and heart to be willing to do whatever God calls us to do with humility. Secondly, there is a risk. Ministry will always involve risking something. It will be beyond your ability, beyond what you're comfortable with, and we see this reflected in the feet of Jesus Christ. God stepped into earth, into the brokenness of our world to bring us heaven, to bring us a relationship with him. And those feet that were willing to go to us were then nailed to a cross. The risk that Jesus took was for the joy set before him, and that joy was doing the will of the Father and loving you. You are his joy. So Jesus considered the risk worth everything because he says you are worth it. And that's what he calls us to do, to recognize that God is worth it and those he calls us to serve are worth it. Then the heart of the Savior is reflected as well because it was always focused on others. Jesus was never concerned about himself but he was always focused on the needs of others. And we see that even as his heart was pierced by the spear on that cross out of love for you and me. I find it absolutely astounding that the very one who breathed life into creation, into Adam and Eve, the one who literally breathed life into the first human died by suffocation. 
Because that's what happens on a cross. He poured out all of his breath on that cross and he could no longer breathe. And it was proven by that wound in his side when out came blood and water, proving that he actually had drowned in his fluids. The God that we see in Jesus demonstrates his love for us and that while we are his enemies, he was willing to die for us to suffocate for you because he was that focused on you. And then we see in the hands of Christ both sacrifice and service, and he calls us as ministers to serve in practical ways, to be his hands, his feet, and his voice in this world. You are a minister, and God is calling you. Will you be willing to step out and find what he's calling you to do? Today, you've got some opportunities to explore. There are some amazing ministries out there. Anti-human trafficking, you can get engaged with that. The homeless ministries that's that's there that operates out of of the Bridge Center. Um, You can find out more about some of our small groups, men's studies, women's studies, Bible studies, um, uh, the Samson Society. Um, guys, I want to encourage you to check that out when you're out, out there in the foyer. Um, you can be a part of the media team, and Alex will explain some of those numbers that he put on the screen to you, and it's going to be amazing. You can come and join the worship team because we need you. You can serve the greatest group of people in this church, our children. And come alongside of Dan and the team and serve in Sunday school because they really need you. The question is, God doesn't want your ability. He doesn't want your availability. He wants your obedience and your faith. Will you trust him? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, even though... There's so much more just to discover about the greatness of who you are. I pray, Lord, that you will stir our hearts, that you will allow us to see ourselves as your chosen people who have been called and who you will equip to do great things to show your goodness and your glory to people all around us. Lord, would you give us the courage to obey your prompting? Lord, would you give us the faith to seek what you desire for each and every one of us? And Lord, help us to present ourselves to you as an offering. In Jesus' name, amen.